0: Welcome top to the top. 1%.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. 1% percenter show. I'm Paul Salamanca.
0: And I'm Tom Bocard. Thanks for joining us today to learn how some of the top 1% CEOs, sales leaders, coaches, athletes, and other professionals have overcame adversity and built their top 1% mindset.
1: That's right. And this show is live 6 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. If you want to see one of these shows live, you could go to our home base, which is top1percenter.com. You could also see links to previous episodes there, or download the show where all podcasts are available. So, Tom, let's get into this next guest, this next show. I'm looking forward to it. Take
0: it from the top, man, 1%. Take it, take it from the top, man, 1%. Take it from the top, man, 1%. Top, man, 1%. Oh, yeah.
1: All right. Welcome to the top. I'm your host, Paul Salamanca, alongside Tom Bocard, co-founders of the Top One Academy, a sales training boot camp for high growth companies and sales professionals designed to transform average salespeople into top performing sales teams in their respective industries. And we have proven over and over again that with the right mindset, dedication, combined with our top sales methodology, anyone can make it to the top one percent in sales. But don't take my word for it. Let's quickly hear from some of our graduates who have made it to the top 1% in their sales leaderboard within six months of graduating from the Top Academy.
2: I was 200% to quota last month. Top
0: top rep in North America month two.
2: Well, I got promoted. <laughs> so
0: that, and I think the Academy definitely helped with that. Cause I just hit back
2: to back months which nobody on our team's done. Our sales um, in the last last month have, have really increased or doubled since January. Well,
0: I am honestly pretty confident in saying that I am the best AE on my team. It's
2: the way to be. You've gotta, you gotta you got to be a top one percenter. you got to seek out the best in everything you do. Uh, you got to have the confidence and you got to learn the skill sets to do it.
1: And that was just a few of many great results, but we have a show to get to, so let's get started. And I'm very excited about today's guest. Today, we have a very special guest, Giants captain, Super Bowl champion, all pro Fred Robbins. Really looking forward to hear how Fred overcame adversity in his career to make it to the top and how he's successfully transitioned from pro sports to the business world. So Fred, welcome. And I, I think that's a good way to start off, right? If you don't mind, where yeah. a lot of pro athletes, from what I hear, um, your identity becomes your work on, on the team, your, your your you being an athlete, in pro sports, and then once yeah. your career is over, people tend to have a hard time with that. Like thousands of people cheering for you, for, for you, right? Being interviewed all the time till all of a sudden that stops. Did, yeah. did you go through a lot of that, or did you go through any of that? Had, had, what happened when your career ended?
2: Oh, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, we all go through it, man. And I think you know, uh, you know, we touched on it. You touched on it a while ago when you mentioned the word adversity. And I think for me, that was probably one of the adverse times, difficult times, you know, you know, my life. You know, I started playing sports since I was, you know, five, six years old. I started playing football when I got to high school at 14. Uh, so sports always been a part of my life every day, you know, pretty much growing up. And, you know, over the course of the years, pretty much as you get through high school and college, even in the NFL and the pros and you know all the accomplishments we had, you know, in the NFL range, that, you know, you know, people love sports, people love the fans. But Once it's all over with, you know, I had to get, you know, readjusted back into everyday life. And it's hard, you know, uh, because sports and football has been so much as a a big part all of my life pretty much, you know. uh, And, you know, once it's over, that's when you really understand, you know, like really the business side of sports. You know what I mean? Like the day after I retired, hey, it's another number 98, you know, wearing that jersey now. You know what I mean? And trying to make that adjustment, getting back, you know, even though I played 12 years, you know, which, you know for a defense line was pretty long. You know, it was really just, okay, how do I adjust back in the everyday life? Something that I've been doing pretty much all my life. What do I do now? You know, yeah. and uh, you hear guys talk about, like, listen, you know, I didn't have a plan. Of course, everybody retirement, they think, hey, I'm going to go, you know, golf every day. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But it's that, that, that social aspect, you know, because I'm used to being around, you know, guys in the locker room having fun, you know, jokes and laughs, you know, getting all the benefits that come with it, Uh, you know. And so now it's like once that's over with, okay, what do I do now? And I think for me, you know, it's hard. Uh, I was married and I had, you know, two kids. And so now I'm at home more, you know. And so now it's, okay, now, you know, how do I be a better father? How do I be a better husband? Because a lot of times, you no know, sports take you away from that that you really a lot of you know time away from the family you know most of the time I wouldn't get home till 5 30 6 o'clock in the evening by that time kids go to bed wife doing her thing you know so now it's like okay every day how do I do that family the lifestyle now.
1: So how long did it take you to actually transition and, and deal with that adversity once your career ended did you know what you wanted to do did you start to think about it before uh, retirement?
2: I did. You know, I, I retired right after the season was over with, you know, like uh, in February. But from February to like June, July, I was okay. Because normally in the off season, I'm normally home around that time pretty much anyway. But it wasn't until like towards the end of July, August, where, you know, friends of mine who were still playing, they were going to training camp. And that was the first time I was actually at home, you know, in Florida around that time. I had always been, you know, wherever I was playing at. And so, really, when you see guys on TV and say, hey, it used to be, you know, a year ago, that was me. And now all of a sudden, you're at home and now you got to get adjusted. And now people don't want to watch the games with me, you know, because I'm used to watching the games and breaking it down as film, not yeah. actually watching <laughs> it. Uh, uh, you know, watching from a fan's perspective, you yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, so that was hard for me, you know, just really watching the game and just kind of really understanding that, hey, this is over. Even though I still had a plan of kind of like what I want to do, it, it took a while for me to get over the fact, hey, you are no longer an NFL player. You're a former player. You know what I mean? You don't get those perks yeah. and, and benefits. I remember a funny story. When, when, when it really hit me, I was in every day, I had to go uh, to the dentist and get my teeth cleaned. And I had to sit in the lobby and fill out paperwork and wait till they call my name. You know, but <laughs> when I was playing with all the pros, hey, look, show up, 9 o'clock, you in and out. <laughs>
1: yeah, we lost you a little bit at the end, but uh, I definitely got what you were saying about uh, the VIP treatment when you're wearing that jersey versus uh, after when, when you're retired. But I would still think, man, Super Bowl champ, you walk into the dentist's office with uh, with your the ring, they should give you some respect. Fred, come
2: on. Well, yeah, they they, they give you little respect. They just want to see the rain, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I you know, but uh, it, you know, it's funny because people think you wear the rain like every day, like when you out, you know, going to Walmart or you pumping gases and they expect you to wear your Bowl <laughs> ring, you know. And I'm like, nah, I left it. But you know, for a certain events, man, and I love to see uh, when I do events like for young kids, and uh, I like for them to see it. You know, gives them some type of inspiration, something to look work hard and to look forward to. You know, but. Uh, I man, people just want to see the rain. here, the hell with the teeth. Hey, you know we just want to see the rain next time. Bring it in, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you're not like Tom. Tom walks around his office with with his 1995 president President's Club trophy. Uh, everywhere he goes, he carries it in his
0: bag. They got to remember, I got the 1991 Rookie of the Year too. <laughs> decades back they got to know there's there's something behind the substance here so that's there. right dude that's right yeah so, so fred, I tom, that, be, that, that I, i've got theory. a million
1: questions but i i mean tom i know you want to ask some questions too um before before we start peppering you with some questions here fred what are you up to now speaking yeah. of the transition
2: Oh, uh, you know what? Actually, when I, so when I retired, you know, I used to work out and train at an uh, exo facility here uh, in Gulf Breeze, Pensacola, Florida. And uh, so when I, and I moved back home, we had some athletes here who were getting ready for the senior bowl. My agent had a few athletes. He was like, hey, would you mind working with these guys before they go to the senior bowl? You know, show them a few things. I said, yeah, cool. And so from there, it just transpired to me starting my own training business, Fred around performance. And so since then, I've been training, uh, you know, defensive linemen, getting ready for you know, uh, the Senior Bowl, the NFL Combine, all the pre-draft training. So I've been doing it now for about 10 years. Uh, And so that kind of helped me stay around sports and kind of ease me back into everyday activity. You know, uh, just being around that career I've been missing. You know, I don't miss all of running and I love physical activity. But, you know, coaching, working with these guys, it helped me ease back into, uh, you know, everyday life just being around the game, being around that camaraderie, you know, having some jokes and laughs with these guys. And that's kind of, you know, kept me, you know, kept my spirits high, you know, uh, uh, you know, just working with these young men.
1: Yep. I, and I know you you do some charity, a lot of charity work, right? You have your own foundation. I know uh, yeah. you also do a lot of uh, motivational speaking and speaking to executives around leadership, um, which, which is something I wanted to, to drill into too regarding leadership. So uh, during that 2007 season, uh, with the Giants, you had a pretty powerful uh, defensive lineup there. You had O.C. Munura, You had uh, Strahan. You had Justin Tuck. Um, but you had the, the C on your jersey, right? You were the captain, right? And there's so many strong personalities there. How do you become kind of the leader among leaders? How does that sort of happen?
2: You know, uh, just really not trying to do too much. Just really just being yourself. You know, I think you know it was surprising to me when I got you know when they nominated me as a captain. You know, it was surprising because you had so many other you know you know big name guys on the team on our defense that could have easily you know you know been a captain. But just to to get that okay from your teammates and your peers, it kind of lets you know like what they think of you. You know what I mean? It wasn't about you know sacks and tackles. It's really about you know your integrity. You know the way you carry yourself how others respect and how others treat you. And that's the way, you know, uh, I always, my upbringing from, you know, uh, you know, my parents and I always took pride in that. And it was just amazing to have, you know, had those guys nominate me and it kind of, it, it, it forced me to level up even more. Like, hey, these are some guys that really respect me, that wanted me to be, you know, to be a captain. They chose me as a captain. Hey, let me even take this up another notch. Let me, either, you know, uh, really, uh, you know, show what I can do. And just having that, uh, that 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 significance from them, from them to choose me, it really just made elevated, you know, my status and my thinking, my thought process, into and, uh, and doing other things, you know, because uh, once you you know you get a captain and, and, and guys like that nominate you, I mean that's it's amazing, and so it was just for every other thing I was doing, that's great, that's excellent, and that's uh you know that's
1: a that's pretty special. To have, like you said, all those big names, and then and then just uh, selecting you as the captain, you you must have been doing something well before that. Um, any any tips, leadership tips? Because sometimes we find ourselves around other other kind of leaders too. If you're a salesperson, you're around other great salespeople. You may not have the title of a VP or a CRO, but you do want to lead your peers um, without forcing it. Any good tips on on how to do that?
2: listen to what you know. other people have to say, listen to the ideas, you know, and just more of a, a, a round circle type atmosphere, you know what I mean? You know, a lot of people, when they get the term, they, they hear leaders like, oh, everything's got to go through me, or oh, I got to make all the decisions. You know, the sign of a great leader is that, hey, you know, I want to hear everybody else's input, you know, make everybody feel good. Like they have a say. So Then come to a decision knowing that, Hey, I heard what everybody's got to say, you know, let's all make this, uh, a decision collectively for the group, you know, do everything, you know, for the group, not just solely, Hey, you know, I'm in control is what I say or nothing else. You know, I just learned that, Hey, you know, when I listen to other people, hear their opinions, hear what's going on. Uh, you'd be surprised. A lot of times, a lot of people have their ear to the streets or, you know they might have a, a more knowledge in a certain area than than, than me a captain but so you listen good and hear the uh, the concerns or the positive things that people are saying that also make you a great leader just listening to others. I love that. Love that. Tom any That's questions? Great. I
1: know we got a Q&A from Bill Bill Hogan in there who uh who had uh who, who had Justin Tuck on his uh so Bill Hogan's my chief revenue officer at security scorecard and he knows Justin Tuck. He had him on uh, on 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 a uh podcast pretty recently too uh so he has a question but do you want to tom do you have any do you have any questions before jumping into the q a uh
0: yeah just quick quick one for mine so i'm you know fred i would imagine from your you know you always had the dream to be in the nfl i'm sure kind of yeah. like as you especially you started playing more and doing that When when did it kind of click for you like that this dream is going to become a reality and like not i don't mean like at draft time or that like when, did, yeah. when were you playing where you felt like you were at an elevated level where you you could do that that point
2: you know I I would say once I got to college you know I went to college to Wake Forest I mean we're we're not known for you know football you know we basketball school but I started as a red shirt freshman and uh you know I remember leading the team and like tackle for losses and 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 you know some other stats and uh one of my uh he was a singer he was getting recruited you know for draft and he was like hey you know i'm going to all these dinners with these cows and but they ask some questions about you and this and this and that and i would say probably after my second or third year you know at, at wake forest when uh one of my de- my defense line was like hey he said, look he said keep playing keep getting better keep playing at a high level and you have a chance of you know you know playing at the next level the nfl pro but it takes a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice you know and usually you know i would go home uh you know, a lot during spring break and during the summers and, and and hang out with my friends. I grew up in high school, but after my red shirt junior year, I stayed at Wake Forest the whole summer. I just got better in the weight room. Uh, You know, I studied a lot more tape. And I think that was that defining moment like, hey, I have this opportunity. It's right here, but now it's up to me. What am I going to do with it? Right. And so I had to make some sacrifices. And I, I tell people all the time I, when I do speaking, like, look, If you want to get to a certain point, you know, you have to become that person. I wanted to get to the NFL, so I had to become an NFL player at that point. And so, which means I had to uh, uh, do a lot of sacrifice. I had to give up some things. I had to, you know, going out on the weekends uh, or traveling with my buddies from college who wanted to go have some fun, I had to eliminate that because I wanted to get to this place. In order to get that, I had to put in the work. It wasn't guaranteed, but it definitely wasn't going to be guaranteed if I would just, you know, Mm. did some other fun stuff too as well. But we have to make sacrifices, man, in order to get to where you want to be. you got to give up some things that you like right now, but you'll be able to have that fun later on in life once you get to the point where you, where that you're trying to get to. Great answer. How's that, man. Yeah, I it's a it.
0: short-term short term sacrifice, long-term yeah. glory. That's a uh, lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so
1: the, the question we got here from Bill Hogan is, you were a great captain, Fred, and paved the way for two great captains in Eli and Justin Tuck that followed you. Uh, did you see the leadership capabilities in both? And what role did you play in their leadership development?
2: Uh, I did see the leadership, you know, in, in both, you know, especially, you know, for guys, you know, like Tuck. We're in the same room. But, you know, Tuck came along. You know, we had great passes with hand and, you know, with O.C., you know. But, uh, but one, one thing we did as a, as, a, as a defensive line group, you mentioned this earlier, we had a bunch of personalities. You know, guys come from different parts of the country, different regions. No you know, different, you know, age range, straight hands of the oldest guy, Tuck, you know, some of the younger guys, I was kind of like in the middle. So you had all these different, you know, uh, uh, barriers. But one of the things we did, we learned each other. Like, we could tell each other your favorite pass rush moves, but when it came to knowing them outside of football, we, we, we weren't very good at that. And so one of the things we started doing is, hey, every week, I'll pick my favorite restaurant, right? The next week is somebody else. So guys starting to get together outside of football, right, to really know each other more on a more personal level. Uh, you know, what's your family name, kids' name, some of the struggles you went through early on. So now when you're playing with a guy like that besides you on Sundays, you know he's fighting for something other than just football, right? And so I think that was probably one of the, the biggest things we did that Super Bowl year, even the years uh, you know after that, it's just, hey, Let's, let's let's keep this momentum going and get to know each other, you know, off the field. Anytime a new rookie come in, you know, tell him, you know, we'll make him sing a song. Uh, but after that, we say, look, hey, tell us about your family. Tell us about your history. Tell us about, you know, some adversity things you went through so we'll know what type of person you are, right? And, and I think that's a sign of leadership too as well. And I think Eli did sort of the same thing on the offensive board. You know, leaders, it, it, you know, people expect Eli to be this, scream and yell guy like Tom Brady that wasn't his personality yeah so he led in in, in in a different way you know and so once guys understood that you know it's not a lot of guys were critical of him like hey he doesn't scream he doesn't yell he does he must doesn't care but that wasn't his personality people really didn't know the real him they just knew the football him so once you get to know people on a more personal level then you'll be able to stand them a lot better
1: Great stuff, dude. I want to be—I want to be mindful of your time, Fred. It's five twenty-nine. I know you said you got a hard stop at five thirty.
2: Yeah, uh, I got to I mean, train some guys, man. Getting ready for this draft, man.
1: No, yeah, I hear you, that's—that's that's great stuff, dude. I appreciate you spending the time here. Any with the minute left, any final parting shots, and we'll—we'll we'll bring you on the show again uh, when we have a little yeah. more time. But any—any any final parting shots to, to the audience here?
2: Now I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Uh, I actually want to thank you guys for having me on. It's been truly grateful. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed, you know, for the opportunity, man. And thank you, Henry, for for, for allowing this to happen. Uh, I'd love to come back on and, you know, share some more stories and just talk some more with you guys, man. Uh, but thank you again. I can't thank you guys enough for having me on the show. And thank you to all the listeners, everyone that tuned in. Yeah, yeah the pleasure is all ours, yeah. dude. It's awesome, for- Fred.
0: Welcome to the top. Oh, yeah. We kill the annual quotas. It's the 1% show in case you haven't noticed. We're talking cold calling and sales and start with tight rhymes. Round here, we maintain a four times
1: pipeline.